morning, Orchard Church. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of... Y'all don't know by now? Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 12. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18 this morning. As you're turning there, uh, last week we did a survey about some potential new service times at Orchard Church because we are experiencing a wonderful problem. We are running out of seats in almost every service. We had almost 400 in our 8 o'clock service this morning. It's almost like there's a big game at 1 o'clock today or something going on and people want to get to church early. And so we took the poll last week. We learned a lot from your responses. And one of the things we learned is we cannot have have our first service start at nine o'clock because like 800 people said they would go to that one. So that's not going to work. But a lot of you, especially in our 930 service said, if we have an 830 service, not an eight, but an 830, you would be willing to jump down to that service. So we're going to take you up on that. So our new service times, you can see them in your newsletter. They're going to start in two weeks on Super Bowl Sunday. So you can remember, we're going to have 830, 950, and 1110. And here's what we need. We need your help. We need to get more people to be willing to come to the 830. So we need about 50 to 100 of you, at least from now through Mother's Day. This is our heaviest growth season um, of the year. And then with summer, it kind of balances out a little bit. But from now to Mother's Day, if you'd say, you know what? We could come to the 830 service. You'll be out by 930. We could do that. That would really help us out. So how many of you would say, I'll at least consider it to go to the 830 service? Awesome. 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 Okay, wait. Put your hands up again. We're going to write your names down and we're going to check. So if you could do that, it would really help us out, especially now through Mother's Day. So 8.30, 9.50, and 11.10. And so the, this service will only get out about 10 minutes later than what you are now. We really appreciate you helping us with this. It's a great problem to have, amen? Because we want to continue to be relevant and reaching people for Christ to our new building is built. So we've got to make room. Today we're going to continue our series called Pursuit of Happiness. We're talking today about happiness of heart. I heard a story about a little boy who came running in. He jumped up into his daddy's lap and he was all smiling and giggling. And, and he said to his daddy, daddy, I'm, my, I'm so happy. My heart is so full of happiness. And his dad said, that is awesome. He jumped off his daddy's lap and he went off to play with his brother. He was gone about 30 minutes and he came moping back into the house and long face and really gloomy. And the dad said, what happened to your happiness? You, you said your heart was full of happiness. What happened? He said, brother made it all leak out. <laughs> How many of you by show of hands have ever had someone or something cause the happiness to leak out of your heart? We've all been there. Maybe someone says something to you and causes your happiness of heart to leak out. Maybe you get that nasty email from someone. Uh, maybe something happens to you. You get an unexpected bill or expense and it causes your heart to leak a happiness. I'll tell you one of the things in this community that always causes my heart to leak of happiness is trains. Anybody else with me on that? Trains. Where I get stopped. Now, I know they were here first, but they still cause my heart to leak of happiness. Or sometimes it's just a situation. You know, something doesn't go the way we had planned, and we get disappointed, and our heart leaks of happiness. I sure hope our heart is not going to leak of happiness this afternoon. I don't believe it is. I haven't made any predictions all year, but here's my prediction. 23-21, New England is going to lose. Would that be okay? 23-21. But hopefully our... Our hearts are not going to leak of any happiness this afternoon. Well, in this passage, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 12, Paul helps 
us to know how to keep our heart happy, how to keep our heart full of happiness, and how to keep our heart from springing a leak. And I've been giving you happiness hashtags throughout this series. Appreciate all of you that are putting those on Facebook and tweeting them out. Here's one simple one today that's going to run throughout uh, the message today. Happiness starts in the heart. That is our happiness hashtag for today. Let's all say it together. Happiness starts in the heart. Just turn to the person next to you and say, happiness starts in the heart. Because when our heart is happy, the rest of us is happy. And so Paul is going to help keep our hearts full of happiness. Now the key verse is the first verse in this passage in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 to 18. Verse 12 is the key verse. And Paul says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Remember, Paul was writing this letter back to the church in Philippi. This is a church that he started. He pastored this church. But now he's no longer in Philippi. Where is he? He's in prison in Rome, and he's writing this letter back to them. And he says, I was with you, but now that I'm away, it is even more important that you do this. Here's the key. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Everybody say, work hard. Work hard, hard, he says, to show the results of your what? Of your salvation. Now, notice he doesn't say work hard to earn your salvation or work hard to gain your salvation. Because we believe what the Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. The only thing that can save us and forgive us is the death of Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he did that to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. So we don't earn our salvation. And Paul's not saying work hard to gain your salvation. He says work hard to what? Show your salvation, that you have it. Proof of this salvation, that you work hard, that you work. Some versions say work out your salvation. And and today we're going to talk about how do we work hard to have a happy heart. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to start a, an exercise routine, a workout regimen, you know, you already have muscle. You know, if you want to work to keep a healthy heart, you already have a heart, but you want to work hard to keep it healthy. And that's what happens when we're believers. We have a, a new heart that God has placed into us, but we have to work hard at keeping that heart spiritually healthy and spiritually happy. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Five workouts for a happy heart. How many of you this morning would say, I'd like to have a happy heart? Say yes then you got to make sure you build these into your spiritual workout routine to work out your salvation, to work hard to show your salvation, to have a happy heart. Now, these are easy to understand. I'm going to give you five spiritual workout routines if you want to have a happy heart. They're easy to understand, but they're hard to apply. We want to be not just hearers of God's word, but we want to be doers of God's word. And so when you hear these, you've probably heard them before. We know them, but we don't often do them. It's just like if we want to work out and be physically fit. We know we got to eat less or eat healthy and we got to exercise. We know what we need to do. We just don't always do it. So the same is true with these things. So let's look at these five workouts for a happy heart. The first one is this. If I want to have a happy heart, I've got to remember that God is in me, God is with me, and God is for me i got to remember that God is in me, He's with me, and He's for me. This is important because one of the things that can cause our hearts to leak of happiness is when we feel abandoned and alone. Have you ever felt that way? Abandoned and alone? It's hard to be happy when you feel alone. And remember, Paul is writing back to this church, and their pastor's no longer with them. They're missing him. They're feeling abandoned and alone. And so he's trying to encourage them. So notice what he says to do in verse 13. He says, For God is working, help me, church, where? In you. Everybody say in you. 
God is working not, not just around you. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, when we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, God is not just around us. He is in us and he's working in us. And we never have to feel alone when we know Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior. Amen? We don't have to feel alone. We don't have to feel abandoned. And Paul says God is working not just around you. He's working in you. This word working, you might highlight it or circle it in your Bible. It's from the Greek word uh, energos. And it's where we get our word energy. And it's talking about that the energy that we have to please God comes from God working in us. It's not that we do this by willpower. We do this through God power. And then no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, that God is working in us. God is not just in me though. God is with me. Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples and then he was going to leave and go back to heaven and the disciples were bummed. They're like, but Jesus, what are we going to do without you? And he said these words before he left them. He said, and be sure of this. I am, say it church, with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, I know you think I'm leaving, but I'm leaving my spirit with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be with you. You don't have to feel alone and abandoned because they were unhappy. They were sad that Jesus was leaving. But he reminded them, I'm in you. I am with you. And here's some great news, Orchard Church. Not only is God in us and with us, God is for us. He is for us. He wants you to succeed. Romans 8.31 says it this way. If God is, say it church, for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. He is in us. He is with us. And he is for us. He wants you to succeed. He wants the best for you. He has the best plans and future for your life if you'll just follow him and trust him. I mean, let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like God smiles at you? You ever thought about that? Does God ever smile at you? You should feel that way. Because that's how he feels about us. He loves us. He smiles about us. He wants the best. He wants us to succeed. I think, unfortunately, some people see God like a mad parent. That, you know, he's just mad at us and all the time and waiting for us to get out of line and mess up and put us in time out. No, God is in us. He's with us. He's for us. And I don't know how this might speak to some of you this morning. But some of you, God brought you here today to hear this point right here. Because you've had your happiness leak out of your heart because you feel alone. You feel abandoned. Even though you're in a room with hundreds of people, you can still feel very lonely and abandoned. And I don't know how this might speak to you. Maybe your spouse walked out on you in the last year or last couple of years. Said, you know, I don't want to be married anymore. I don't love you anymore. And you made you feel alone and abandoned. And God says, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm for you. Maybe your kids, you have grown distant in your relationship with your kids and you feel alone and abandoned. God says, I'm in you, I'm with you, I'm for you. Maybe your parents aren't around anymore. Maybe by their choice, maybe not by their choice. And you feel distant from them and you miss them and you feel alone and abandoned. And God says, I'm in you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm your heavenly father and I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Maybe you've had a, a loved one or a friend that you were very close to pass away. In the last year or so, and you feel alone and maybe feel a little abandoned, you're missing them. And God says, listen, I am in you, I am with you, and I am for you. That's great news this morning, Orchard Church. And if we want to have a happy heart, we've got to remember that. God is in us, he's with us, and he's for us. Now, I know how this works sometimes, because God is invisible, and we can't see him, and we can't touch him. And so we still sometimes feel alone, even though we know he's in us and with us and for us. And it reminds me of the story where a father one night was putting his little girl to bed and she was always afraid of the dark. And she would always try to get dad to lay down in bed until she fell asleep. 
because she didn't want to be alone. She was scared. She was afraid. And the daddy said, but listen, God is with you. He's for you. He's, he's in you. You're, you're going to be okay. And she said, I know, daddy, but sometimes I just need God with skin on. <laughs> and we all do, don't we? Sometimes we need God with skin on. And you know where that comes from? It comes from the people that God brings into our life. Other believers and other Christians that can encourage us. And this is why we say at Orchard Church all the time, get into a small group so that you can connect and relate with other believers. You don't have to feel alone in this Christian life. You don't have to feel abandoned. You don't have to be a lone ranger. And so our small group semester starts this week. It's not too late to sign up. A lot of our groups, praise God, I think we have almost 500 people are signed up for small groups this semester. A lot of them are full, but there's still many that are open. Go this afternoon to orchardgroups.com. Get connected in the group because you don't need to feel alone. And most of all, remember, if you're going to have a happy heart, that God is in you, he's with you, and he's for you. You got to remember that. Remind yourself of that. Here's the second workout because happiness starts in the heart. Here's the second routine, workout routine we need to do. Do more praising and less complaining. If you want to have a happy heart, Paul says, do more praising and less complaining. Verse 14, help me out, church. It says, do, what's the next word? Everything, not some things, not most things. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Uh-oh. That's speaking to somebody right now. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, I believe we ought to be the happiest people in the world. We're forgiven. We have a home in heaven waiting for us. And, and Paul says here, don't, don't complain, don't argue. It's going to take away your happiness. Now, this is a hard habit to break because we're negative by nature. And we're conditioned by culture to complain and argue and be negative. Do you know anybody that complains all the time and they're negative? You know anybody like that? Don't point at them. Don't look at them. Just, just think about it right now. I uh, found this this week as I was preparing for this message. Four different types of complainers. Hopefully you're not one of these. I didn't put any of your names to these. But four types of complainers that we all experience in our life. Uh, the first one, and this one challenged me because I'm guilty sometimes of this. Perfectionist. I can be a perfectionist. Um, nothing is ever good enough. They're hard to please. Their favorite phrase is, is that the best you can do? And they sometimes complain. Um, then there's the, another type of complainer, the cynics. Their attitude is, what's the use? Why even try? It won't make any difference. These are the ones you talk to them about the Broncos game, and they're like, I don't even know if I'm going to watch. We're probably going to get killed by New England. I'm like, come on, be positive. I'm positive. We're going to get beat. You know, it's like, come on. Complainers, cynics. There's perfectionists. There's cynics. And then there's the martyrs. You know anybody with a martyr complex? Their favorite phrase is, nobody appreciates me. Woe is me. Nobody cares. They love to throw pity parties. Um, on the martyr's tombstone, they like to put this phrase, I told you I was sick. That's the martyrs. They complain. And then, here's the biggest complainers of all. You know people like this. Don't be one of these people. Whiners. Know any whiners? Whiners don't, don't rise and shine. They rise and whine. That's what they do. And as I was studying for this, uh, and I wanted to put some illustrations, I just did a Google image search of whiners. And this was the first thing that came up right there. Can you believe that? How appropriate to today's message. Thank you, Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And, and, and then, and then I, and I checked the next picture, and there was this picture up there. The cheaties. So we're probably going to have some cheaties and some whining going on this afternoon in the game. At least we hope there will be some whining. But you know, I, 
We can all fall into this trap if we're not careful. We do more complaining instead of praising and arguing and whining. I think one of the scariest verses in the Bible, honestly, that ought to get our attention is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus said, I tell you this, that you will give an account on judgment day of every careless word you have spoken. Uh Uh-oh. And the first service I said that, and somebody down front goes, oops. (laughs) We ought to take that seriously. You know, we probably all failed at that at times, doing more complaining instead of praising. And it's no wonder we're not happy. You want your happiness to leak out of your heart? Then do do more complaining than praising. But replace the complaining with praising and giving thanks and being grateful for what you have. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Help me out, church. In everything, give what? Thanks, give praise in everything, not in some things or most things, in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People ask me all the time, Pastor Doug, what is God's will? I want to find God's will. Well, there's one of them right there. It's God's will that we do more praising and less complaining. Now, notice it doesn't say for everything give thanks. It says in everything give thanks. I'm not thankful for cancer. I'm not thankful for somebody losing their job. I'm not thankful for injustice. I'm not thankful for somebody dying. But when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we know God in a personal way, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for what? Good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. That we know that no matter what happens in our life, we can Give thanks in everything, not for everything, but in everything, because we know that we have a God that can turn troubles into triumphs. He can turn victims into victors, and he can turn crucifixions into resurrections. Can we celebrate that right now, Orchard Church? That's the God we have. So we need, if we want to be happier, we make a choice. It's our choice to rejoice. We've said that over and over in this series, that we make a choice. I'm going to do more praising and less complaining. Do you think we'll be happier if we practice that workout? Absolutely we will. Here's the third one. The third workout in order to maintain a happy heart is stay clean and guilt-free. We've got to practice this workout. We've got to work hard at staying clean and guilt-free. Verse 15, second part of the verse, Paul says, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Would you agree we live in a pretty crooked and perverse world today? And it's a dark world. And it gives a greater opportunity, though, for us as believers to shine brightly as we live clean and innocent lives. Because it's hard to be happy if you feel guilty and you feel ashamed. It can cause your heart to leak of happiness. Um, I don't know how many guys have been watching this series. It's really popular right now. It's on Netflix called Making a Murderer. How many guys have seen this? Um, it, it's a fascinating 10-part uh, uh, study on this guy. Uh, it, but the, the series starts out, and this, this man was accused of a crime 18 years ago, and then he was found to be innocent of the crime. DNA showed that he didn't commit it. And so the whole series starts out, and he's released from prison, and he's so happy, and he's smiling, he's so excited. And then the rest of the nine episodes, he gets convicted of another crime, a murder, and the whole time you're trying to figure, did he do it, did he not do it? And the rest of the nine, he's not smiling. He's not happy. Because there's people trying to convict him of a murder. And he feels guilty. He feels ashamed. Even if he didn't do it, we don't know if he did it or not. It's hard to to be happy when you feel guilt and ashamed. 
So what do we do about that? We, we live clean and guilt-free lives. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. What's the first word, church? Happy are those who live what? Pure lives. You want to be happier? Try to live a more pure life. Who follow the Lord's teaching, God's word, keep his rules, and who try to obey him with their whole heart. That is a key to happiness. To live according to God's word and God's standards and led by God's spirit. Now, you might say, well, what if I don't feel clean? What if I feel guilty? Because I know, I realize some of you may be here this morning, you're here and you're sitting in church, but you feel some guilt. You feel some shame. Or maybe something you did last week or last month or something that's been going on in your life. I, I can relate to that. Because there was a time in my life, I grew up in a Christian home, and then there was about six years that I got out of church. I walked away from God and I did a lot of things that I was ashamed of. And then God got a hold of me, got my attention, and he, he said, Doug, I called you into ministry. I called you to be a pastor. And I remember having a little argument with God. You ever had an argument with God? He always wins those arguments. Have you noticed that? And, and I was like, God, but I've done all these things wrong. I mean, how can you ever use me? And I was feeling guilt and I was feeling shame. And I studied God's word. And here's what I realized. And you, some of you need to hear this. God's going to speak to you in a very freeing way this morning. Guilt and shame does not come from God. It comes from our enemy, Satan. It comes from Satan. God doesn't make us feel guilty and ashamed. He convicts us of our sin. And then he says, I will forgive you of your sin and I will clean you up of sin. Past, present, future. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world, to free the world. And when I understood that and embraced that, the guilt and the shame went away. So what if you feel that way today? What should you do? Well, the psalmist gives us some great instructions in Psalm 32. How do you feel clean and guilt-free? The psalmist says, oh, what a joy. That's another word for happy. Oh, what a joy. Oh, how happy for those whose disobedience is what, church? Forgiven. Are you thankful we have a God of forgiveness? Are you thankful we have a God of second chances and third chances? Boy, I am. He said, you, there's joy and happiness for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy, happiness for those whose record the Lord has cleared of what? Of guilt. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Now, this can apply to you in one of two ways this morning. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, let me remind you that the day you accepted Christ, you were forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. God no longer looks at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a saint, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, we don't always act like saints, but he sees us through the lens of his blood, of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And so when you sin after accepting Christ, 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen? We can make things right with him at any moment, at any time. But if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's the great news. Jesus today can remove all of the guilt and all the shame and all the sin, and you can be forgiven. You may, listen, hear this loud and clear. You may have walked in here today feeling guilt and shame, but you can walk out of here today feeling clean and guilt-free because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And he's done for all of us. And we can celebrate that. Amen. And when you know that you are clean and forgiven and guilt-free, you're going to be happier. You're going to have a happy heart. So, do you want to have a happy heart? Yes. Two of you do? Great. <laughs> do you want to have a happy heart? Because yes. happiness starts in the heart. Then you've got to say, okay, I've got to put some of these workouts into my life. I've got to start doing them. I, I can't just read about them. I can't just study about them. I can't just think. I've got to do them. 
I've got to remember God is in me, with me, and for me when I feel alone. I've got to do more praising and less complaining. I've got to stay clean and guilt-free. I would encourage you every night before you go to bed, make things right with the Lord so you wake up with a clean slate. Now, that's not license to sin. Amen? Paul said, should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But we can make things right. Here's the fourth workout. This is going to speak to some of you. You want to have a happy heart? You need to do this. Memorize and meditate on God's word. You need to do more memorizing and meditating on God's word. This is what Paul says. Verse 16. Hold firmly to what? The word of life. The word of life. What is the word of life? The word of God. Paul says, you want to be happier? You've got to hold firmly to the word of life, the word of God. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, and that my work was not useless, the work he had done in their lives. One of the things that can cause our hearts to leak of happiness quicker than anything else is worrying. Would you agree? It's hard to be happy when you're worrying about something. And worrying is taking a negative thought It's something that may or may not happen and just dwelling on it and thinking about it over and over and over again. Listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It's the same thing. It's just what are you thinking about? Worrying is thinking about something negative. Meditating is thinking about the promises of God and good things and what the word of God says. We've got to do less worrying and more memorizing and meditating God's word, holding on firmly to the word of life and stop worrying. Here's some great quotes I found about worrying. Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? Here's another one. It fits right into our series. Worrying just messes up your happiness. You can't, it's it's hard to be happy and worry at the same time. And then Bobby McFerrin said it well. Don't worry, be happy. We all know it. Don't worry, be happy. So what do you do? When you start to worry about something, what should you do instead? You should hold firmly to the word of life, to the word of God, and and meditate on it. Well, you can't meditate on it unless you first memorize it. So there's some verses you need to put in your life, promises of God that you memorize them. And then when you're tempted to worry, instead of thinking of negative things, you think on good things and you think about God's word and you meditate on it. Psalm 119, the psalmist said it this way, your principles, that's another word for scripture. Your principles make me what? Make me happy. So what do I do? I never forget your word. How do you not ever forget God's word? You memorize it and then you meditate on it. Easy to understand, but how many times do we do it? Why do we do more of the things that don't work and less of the things that do? We do more worrying than we do memorizing and meditating on God's word. You want to have a happy heart? You said yes. We've got to put this workout routine into our life that we memorize and meditate on God's word. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, I can't memorize. I can't memorize anything. Really? How many of you have your phone number memorized? Your address memorized? Your social security number memorized. Your passwords, at least most of them, memorized. We memorize what's important to us. Amen? We memorize what's important to us. If your boss came to you and said, listen, if you memorize these 10 things, then I'll I'll give you a 10% raise. You'll memorize them. You want to stop worrying? You want to be more happy? Then you've got to work at this. It's not easy. It's hard work. But you memorize and meditate on God's word. You know, I can never say that I can't memorize. I can never use that excuse. God reminded me of this a long time ago. Because when I was in high school back in the 80s, there was one of the first original rap songs that came out. And it was called Rapper's Delight. 
which is another word for happiness. And it was like 20 minutes long, and I memorized the whole thing 20 minutes. So I can never use the excuse that I can't memorize God's word. Now, I'm not going to give you a sample this morning of Rapper's Delight. Unless you really want one. Nah. Okay. I said a hip hop, a hibbit, a hibbit, hibbit, hip, hip, poppy, you don't stop the rocket to the bang, bang, boogie, set up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. All right, that's good. All right. Wow. These <laughs> They didn't do that in the first service. <laughs> I was just as surprised as you guys were. What'd you learn at church today? Our pastor can rap. <laughs> but hopefully it will remind you to memorize and meditate on God's word because that is a key to happiness. We can do it. And here's the fifth and final workout that you have to maintain. If you're going to maintain a happy heart, then you've got to do this fifth workout. Serve God by serving others. You've got to start serving God by serving others. Look at what Paul says here in verse 17. Now remember, Paul was in prison for serving God and serving people. That's why they put him in prison, for sharing the gospel. And Paul says, but I will what? Rejoice. I'm going to be happy even if I lose my life. He was in prison awaiting execution, but he said, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, I'm going to make a choice to rejoice, pouring out my life like a liquid offering to God, just like your what? Faithful service is an offering to God. Your faithful service. And Paul says, and I want all of you to share that joy. Share in my happiness. In doing what? Faithfully serving God. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. If you do what? If you faithfully serve God. Now, I said before, God is invisible. We can't see God. So how do we serve God? We serve God by serving other people. That's how we do it today. And when we do that, we will be happier. Happiness does not come from status it doesn't come from salary. It doesn't come from sex. It doesn't come from stuff. The Bible tells us happiness and joy comes from service. Serving God by serving others. Let me ask you this question. Where and when do you regularly serve God by serving others? Did you do it last week? Did you do it last month? If you want to be happy, this is one of the keys to happiness. And we have many people here at Orchard Church that serve. We could not do all the ministries and three services we do. We have two to three hundred people that serve every weekend. And can we just celebrate those that serve God by serving others at Orchard Church? And we had the uh, privilege this week to interview one of the couples that serves here at Orchard Church and how it makes them feel. And I hope this will be a challenge and a blessing to you. Check it out. and I like meeting new people. There's always different people that tear down and on the host team and being in children's ministry is fun. Oftentimes I'm just, I'm happy to serve. I'm happy to spend time with the children. Um, I'm happy to help wherever is needed. Uh, there are days when I can jump into uh, the check-in line and assist a family with filling out paperwork and um, getting their family registered to be able to come and, and sign in electronically. 
Um, there are days when um, I can just jump in and help with the hostess team and, and go and fetch coffee or donuts. me feel good especially when the kids are they're learning and they're into things and we have a lot of fun some of the kids are they've just got so much character and it just makes me so happy as they play and they learn and it's just really awesome um, even with teardown you know when we do it quickly and we do a, a good job and we'll be talking and you know there's the fellowship that goes along with that for me, not only does it bring me joy, but it's it, it gives me a sense of purpose. Um, um, I know that when we don't serve, when we have that rare occasion where we have sort of you know, the morning off, um, we're kind of lost. We, we don't know what to do or how to act, and oftentimes we end up just coming to church early anyways to see where, where, we, where we could be used and, and needed and, and, and just give a lending hand. And, and help out wherever we can because we know um, having served for so long uh, we know what goes on uh, behind the scenes and we know how much work it takes to to be a mobile church and to set everything up and tear everything back down every day and and it's just nice to see um, uh, the, the church come together um, as, a, as a family unit and, and help each other out. I serve because I make a difference. I serve because I make a difference. Hey, can we celebrate that great testimony of, of serving? We're, we're happy when we serve God by serving others. And I want to thank uh, Karen and Eric for doing that video. What they didn't tell you in that video is almost every week they come to the 8 o'clock service and they serve in the 9, 30, and 11, and then they stay for teardown afterward and serve. And I know a lot of other people do as well, and we appreciate those. And listen, how can you put this into practice today? I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Inside of your newsletter, there's a connection card. If you're not currently serving here at Orchard Church, and you say, you know what, this is something I need to start doing. You know, happiness comes from serving God by serving others. Just give us your contact information, your name, your email, your best phone number. Someone will reach out to you, help you find the best fit and place for you to serve. We won't just stick you in, a, in somewhere you don't want to serve. We'll help you find that fit. So check that box on the back that says, I'm interested in serving. Give us your contact. Put it in the offering bucket. Someone will reach out to you, and you can begin to serve God by serving others. Because an essential workout to a happy heart is serving God by serving others. So I hope some of you will begin to do that uh, today. As we wrap this up this morning, talking about five essential workouts to have a happy heart. You know, like any workout routine, they'll tell you before you start any new workout reg regimen to exercise, you should consult what? Your physician, consult your doctor, make sure there's not a pre-existing condition. Well, can I tell you what the Bible says? We were all born with a pre-existing condition. We had a heart condition. It's called sin. We inherited the sin nature from Adam and Eve. It messed up our heart. The Bible says that our hearts that we got when we were first born were broken and bitter. They were they're self, you know, uh, serving. They were sick. They're, uh, they deceive us. They discourage us. But here's the good news. I have a heart specialist, a doctor that I would like to recommend to you. His name is Dr. Jesus. And he's the best heart specialist I know. He doesn't just fix your heart. He gives you a heart transplant. A brand new heart and a brand new start. And here's the great thing about Dr. Jesus. He makes house calls. He doesn't charge you anything. He's never lost a patient. There's no waiting in the waiting room. And he, there's no insurance needed. Amen? So how about take him up on it today? 
You know, God said it this way in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. God said, and I will give you, say it church, a new heart. Not, not fix the old one. I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit, the Holy Spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'll give you a tender and responsive heart. Because happiness starts in the heart. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that we would work hard to show the results of our salvation for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. That these workouts, we would put them into our spiritual routine so that we can have a strong, happy heart and be pleasing to you. For those, Lord, that do not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today that they would open up their life, allow you to give them a heart transplant, a new heart, and a fresh start. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, for many of you, you're believers in Jesus Christ. You remember the day that Jesus gave you a new heart and a fresh start. So we're not talking about working for your salvation. We're talking about working out your salvation, working hard to show the results of your salvation. And I don't know how God has spoken to you this morning, but if you want to be happy and you want to have a happy heart, maybe you need to start remembering that God is in me. He's with me and he's for me. I don't have to be alone. Maybe you need to start doing more praising and less complaining. Maybe you got to work on staying clean and guilt-free by some of the decisions in your life. Maybe there's some things you just need to confess and make right today and walk out of here feeling clean and free and forgiven. Maybe you need to start memorizing and meditating on God's word instead of worrying so much about things that you can't even change. And for many of you, you'd say, you know, I, I need to start serving God by serving others. I know I'll be happier when it's not about me. It's about helping someone else. If God has spoken to you about one or more of these five workouts this morning and you'd say, I know I need to not just be a hearer of the word, but doer of God's word. Put these into practice in my life. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? Yes, I know there are some of these workouts I need to start in my life. Put them up nice and high. God bless you. Hands everywhere in every section. Father, I pray that we would put these workouts into practice and that we would experience the joy of our salvation, that we would work hard to show the results of our salvation, that these workouts would result in a happy heart because happiness starts in the heart. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with nobody looking around for just a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed as believers are just praying, talking to the Lord about these things we've talked about. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you can't work out your salvation. You can't work hard to show your salvation until you have salvation. And what you need today is a new heart and a new spirit. And a fresh start. And that's exactly what Jesus offers you. That's why 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He went and he died on the cross. And he shed his blood to forgive you of all your sins. And he was buried and he rose again to conquer sin and death and hell. And all he's asking you to do is open up your life in faith today. Allow him to give you a new heart, a fresh start. And then you can begin to work hard to show the results of that new heart as you grow in your walk and relationship with him. So if you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now from your heart to God's, right where you sit. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the ways we call on the Lord is through prayer. Now listen, I'm going to help you with this prayer. I'm going to give you the words to say, but these are not magic words. This isn't a magic prayer. But if they come from a heart of belief and faith, then Jesus will give you a new heart and a fresh start today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I want a new heart. I want a fresh start. I want a do-over. 
I want to walk out of here today clean, innocent, saved, free, and forgiven. Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and giving me a new heart. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I want to pray that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward and begin to work hard to show the results of what God has done in your life. Would you slip up your hands just so I can pray for you? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, over here. God bless you, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you right here. God bless you up there. I see you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Just put them up again, nice and nice, so I can see them. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you over here, young man. Thank you. Over here, God bless you. Several people. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those that put their faith and trust in you today. They, they received a spiritual heart transplant. They are now born into your family. They are children of God. They have a new heart and a fresh start. I pray they would work hard to show the results of their salvation in the days ahead as they grow in their walk and relationship with you. We celebrate their decision. We as uh, children of God welcome them into your family as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we rejoice and celebrate their decisions today. Lord, we thank you that you died for us to give us a new heart and a new start. May we work hard to show the results of what you have done in our life and remember that happiness starts in the heart. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate some new family members and the family of God this morning? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about it. If you raise your hand and said, yes, I prayed that prayer, um, let us know about that in your connection card. Uh, give us your address. We'll send you a little book in the mail to help you in your walk uh, with Christ to grow in your relationship uh, with Him. So drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money at all today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. And so we'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail. If I did not get a chance to meet you personally and you're a first-time guest or you're new to Orchard Church, I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent. So come by, introduce yourself, love to meet you today. Right now we're going to close in a, a response of worship through song. We're also going to respond in worship through uh, our gifts and our giving through our tithes and offering. Uh, a biblical tithe is 10% of our income to the Lord first. Giving to the Lord first our best and believing the rest we blessed. An offering is anything over and above that. Many of you do that with our legacy building fund and uh, our feeding center so thank you Orchard Church for your incredible generosity because we want to always be a church that gives to God first um, saves second and learns to live on the rest amen so let's stand as we close in response of worship through our gifts and our and our song God bless you guys for being here I love you Orchard Church have a wonderful day